Welcome to CF Speaks, a podcast produced by faculty and students from the College of Central Florida. In this two-part episode, we are going to uh, release a uh, virtual talk and panel discussion of Spike Lee's phenomenal 1989 film, Do the Right Thing. The first episode is going to feature a uh, talk by Dr. Jana Jones of Stetson University, and the second episode will feature a uh, panel discussion uh, featuring uh, Wendy Adams, professor at the College of Central Florida, as well as Bud Dees, Julie W. McCammon, and Amira Sims, who are each assistant professors at CF. Um, the second episode will also feature um, a lot of student feedback and reactions to the film. Andres has been putting some great comments uh, in the chat. Andres, is there anything that you wanted to share or comment on? You've been having some great observations about the film. Yeah, just having some epiphanies in the chat. But yeah, well, I was going to like just comment how I appreciate the the film's um, just showing of all these diverse um, cultures in one neighborhood. And it just shows like the humanity of it and like the daily lives of these people it looks just like a normal day in this neighborhood and i mean i had commented like like it was it was crazy to me how mookie would still like kind of just act pretty normal the day after but i guess it just shows like it in the end it was just i mean did this all take place in one day or am i missing something like because it it just felt all kind of like Con- like connected um mm-hmm. but yeah like the fact that it all happened in a day and him just acting like that and for i mean it, like you could see he was like forgiving sal and he was uh, like because sal was just um he just broke down he was he just couldn't handle all the chaos um i just really like how he's just kind of trying to go back to normality um the the day after he's just uh, he, he and and obviously like marjorie's like comment that was that was just that like was an eye opener for me because like um also shows his his compassion and his respect for for um the people he works with but like sal just shows he he um he appreciates his work and and even though he's like like you gotta keep working you could you could see like he really enjoys having him there and like there shows this um unity within the within the community that they're in so um yeah i just wanted i I just wanted to say like how i like how the film tried to portray everything as normal as it could and um how how after all this conflict he they're kind of trying to resolve things in the end yeah, there's lots yeah. of great comments, Jana, um, in the chat um, as well. And everyone definitely agreeing with Sal uh, being a good guy um, at heart. But there is a question, Jana, um, yeah. 
about what do you make of the fact that radio refused to comply with the police? Any thoughts on that? Um, well, that's, a, you know, <laughs> that's um, a complicated question that um, I think we see, we just this summer shows us um, the complications of um, the racial tensions with police and um, African-American men. And um, what happens if you do comply? What happens next? I mean, it's kind of a bad, it, you can't win. You know, I mean, a lot of, I think that, you know, so, um, I mean, and Radio Rahim, he's, he is, he does give our soliloquy and he is, um, you know, but he's also a pain. You know, he people ask him to turn his music down and he won't do it. And that, you know, it varies from um, race to race and, you know, hour to hour. Um, and so, you know, he too is just, um, you know, part of this um, community where um, sometimes we comply and are compassionate and sympathetic to people. And sometimes we just aren't. Another kind of connection to that question, um, a comment in the chat, do you think had this movie been more popular at the time that we might have seen some earlier changes to um, police, perform police reform and how our law enforcement treat people uh, today had this movie been more popular back then? What a wonderful question. And we could, um, I mean, that's how... I don't know, because I, I think we have a very hard time learning these lessons. I mean, yeah. I, you know, you would think after the summer that there would, that would be it. There would never be another, you know, and it, and it's still contested. And, you know, you think about right after this in the nineties, we have OJ Simpson and Rodney King and, you know, the next decade following this is some very, very complicated and violent, um, um, racial um, complications in our country. So, um, so it probably, I mean, some of the things about the film, the message is probably very complicated anytime, but for a 1989 audience, and you think about it at the time, there's very few black directors, and there's very few stories. I mean, there's the Driving Miss Daisy, there's the black, they're African American. Um, story told by white people, you know, I think Driving Miss Daisy is one of those. And, you know, those are the stories that people were familiar with in Hollywood and not this, um, you know, kind of in your face um, film. So um, I think it was even with people who agreed with the message were probably a little overwhelmed by the storytelling. Um, so one thing too, I want to say is I can't help but notice the beautiful color in the film. It's like a technicolor film from the 1950s in some ways. And it has this feeling of, um, you know, this kind of strange, um, tension between, you know, the music, the soundtrack was actually done by his father, who was a, a jazz musician. And it has the same sort of sound. It's a bit different with um, with the film itself. Sometimes it sounds very 1950s Hollywood as well. So I think it probably just put everybody and, you know, got in there under their nerves, which is why I um, Spike Lee made it, you know. And I just want to say one other thing about Spike Lee, because he doesn't get off the hook either. 
and I've actually been in a room with him. Um, and here in um, Flagstaff, we have a huge Native American community, which has certainly had its own problems. And um, he was telling all my Native American students how bad the reservation was and that it was like a concentration camp. And um, sorry, but Native Americans don't. That's their home. And they were mightily offended. But that's just his ignorance. You know, he doesn't, he hasn't said he's, you know, he doesn't hang out with um, Native Americans and he doesn't know what they think about the reservation because he's never asked them. So, um, so that was an interesting layer on this story as well. Anyway, long winded. Sorry about that. Any panelists have any comments too, as well as students? Yeah, I thought, um, <clears throat> so I put in the chat, um, actually the, like one of the, um, there's like this sort of slow jazz, which is the other half of the soundtrack, which is um, like a an arrangement of Lift Every Voice and Sing. Um, and that sort of like duels with um, Fight the Power throughout the film, like those are the two things repeated. Um, and I definitely saw that um, as like maybe the MLK side, the like we need to only peaceful protest, only nonviolence, only whatever. And then the fight the power is being the Malcolm X side. Um, and it is a really poignant question, like what is the right thing? Because to those very smart, influential people, the right thing was different, you know? Um, the the best way to achieve your goal was different. Um, you know, one of them said, you, you know, there there's two quotes at the end, like just in case you didn't <laughs> weren't following throughout the movie, here's the point finally made. Uh, you know, like nonviolence or violence, there's a place for both. Um, and it it also made me think about um, like property. And at what point, I mean, there's there's like, who owns this shop? And there's like a financial and legal ownership of this space. But then I also wonder like, is there also like on an, in another mode, on another level, is there a social ownership of this place? Is there, um, you know, like, is there a community ownership of this place? Like, at what point is this Sal's restaurant? And at what point does this restaurant belong to the the space where it is? Um, I mean, obviously, the, you know, the police and sort of legally, we only recognize one of those um, as being ownership. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking because I thought you know, this is in a black neighborhood and it, and I feel like on a different day, maybe Sal would have put a picture of a black guy up, you know, <laughs> and that seems totally fine. And, and I also feel like there's no, like, um, there's like a conflict with, um, the, uh, with Lee's character 
Um, and that switch that he makes from this is my job, respect my place of work, go get your own job. Like, why are you causing trouble here? And then also um, like there's that that moment of switch where he's like, you know, I guess I'm not on the side of the restaurant anymore. I guess I'm on the side of the protesters and I'm about to throw this trash can through the window. Sorry. Thanks. Oh, in the chat, we were talking about um, whether or not Radio Rahim should have turned down his radio. And I was saying that I thought that it was symbolic for him to not turn down his radio. And it's more than a boombox. You know, I think the message is how much should you be silenced? How, how much should you be quiet? When should you obey? And for me, when I watched this movie, I thought fighting the power was doing the right thing. That's the message I initially got. And fighting doesn't have to be violence. You know, fighting doesn't have to be um, throwing the trash can. But, you know, you can't be silent. You have to you have to live out loud. And I thought that's what Radio Rahim was doing. And I remember the boombox. You know, there's even a scene early in the movie where um, there's a um, like a almost like a duel between Radio Rahim and another group of I think they were Puerto Rican. Um, there was a Hispanic group and they were mm -hmm. trying to, you know, and it kind of reminded me of like back in the day when people would break dance with each other or have uh, double dutch, you would, you know, play off. And it was like, kind of like a respectful duel. So, um, you know, I, I thought it was, you know, he wanted us to read deeper into that than just, you know, follow the rules, turn down the radio. I agree. I, I just want to mention, I, I don't think anybody's mentioned the, the heat yet. And um, <laughs> what sort of what, what sort of symbolism the heat might take on. Um, I think one of the important uh, features of the heat is that uh, perhaps Spike Lee is pointing out that no one acts in a rational vacuum. There are other things, other ways that things could have been brought about. Uh, perhaps somebody could have... Um, Compromise with Sal. Maybe we have another wall for some of our heroes here. But the heat is such a, such a tremendous pressure on people. And we all have external factors acting on us. Um, anytime we do anything at all, that most of the time we aren't even aware of. And I think that Spike Lee was probably pointing that out. That, that, that nobody's sitting back. Here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to walk into the restaurant and turn up my boombox incredibly loud. These things just happen, and it's hard to account for causes when you look at them retroactively. Yes, yes. Janet, there was another question. Um, is a little bit a little ways back in the chat. There's so many amazing comments and stuff coming in. But someone had asked, um, "Do you feel like Spike Lee and his interpretation and his reason for doing the film has?" had any impact on um, racial and social injustice around the world? What's your thoughts on that? That's a big question. <laughs> big question. It's part of the conversation and it inspired other, um, you know, other folks to begin to tell their own stories as well. So, um, you know, I don't think it's, uh, it's hard to say that any time that one event 
can, you know, it's hard to see those one events that can change um, dramatically, but I think you definitely open the door to, um, to voices that had not been able to tell their stories. And, and that is the most important thing that can happen. And he has gone on to have a really important um, career and is still, um, you know, now a much older guy. You know, he was just kind of fresh out of film school and just breaking all sorts of rules, like, um, you know, kind of traditional Hollywood rules, just in terms of cinematography and storytelling and, and, and the messages he was telling. But he opened that door for more people to be able to do that. So in that way, he did, in my opinion. There's definitely, there's lots of comments about all these things people are going, oh my gosh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Oh my gosh, I missed that. Um, the scene with the guy in the Celtics uniform or what role that Buggin uh, and Smiley and Radio, what role they played when they went into the pizza shop, you know, after hours. So just there's so many different things in the film, so many little pieces you can miss. You really have to watch it. Uh, several times to see all the symbolism and things that are happening and everybody's kind of catching up in the chat on the things they noticed. Good, good, good. Yes, I think it, you know, we don't, sometimes we don't, um, we aren't asked to pay very much attention, um, you know, um, uh, with media now, everything just um, goes so fast, but this film, and I've taught this film before and it's been kind of part of my, um, world for a long time, but and and so I've seen it many times. But I really um, encourage you guys to to now go back and see it, um, watch it again. Now that you've kind of had this conversation and your very insightful remarks, and um, I think it would be you know, and you should share it with your friends and and have a a slow night, you know, where that's the one thing, like if we can just watch a film and not do anything else while we're doing it, that in itself is an amazing experience these days. Put the phone down for a little while. Ooh, scary. Ma Madison, you want to share your comment that you just posted? I think that's like, bam. Oh yeah. yeah. We haven't really um, talked about this point yet. Um, um, Caitlin and I were also conversing. Um, having a conversation about this um how the martin luther king jr versus malcolm x was there the entire time in the most subtle ways as well like it was constant a theme throughout the entire movie even even when it was not like directly brought up smiley was always there to kind of subtly like throw that in like this is like what they're doing and stuff so i just want to bring that up and maybe discuss that and what people thought about that um in the movie about how what they thought about having that in there what they think the two points of views had to do with that point of the topic of the movie and such i just want to say one thing about that is that um you know how do people respond to smiley they just get out of here don't get away get away get away and you know again this is a choice that um spike lee made um, because people don't want to even deal with it, right? And so they just want, they're just trying to deal with their day. And, and that's the hard part too, because people are just trying to deal with their day. 
and we don't know what their days are full of, you know, and even the people that look like they don't have any problems, they do. And so then to ask them to also deal with these huge philosophical, you know, issues, um, which um, is, is asking a lot of, I mean, it's hard for people, I think. And so I think that that smiling, you know, go away, go away is um is part of that just go away i don't want to think about that right now just want to have flight you know so yeah i was gonna say that like how everybody kept telling him to like go away but he kept coming back because you can't keep putting things on the back burner it's always going to be there no matter what and it has to be brought up at a certain point and eventually it got to the point where because it was pushed away for so long i feel like that was a maybe even a a like a message that even like as people kept pushing him away nobody wanted to talk about it and then eventually it boiled over and was brought to that point at the end of the movie and what does Smiley do in the end? He hangs up that photo inside the inside the right. pizzeria in the end. Uh, so. Can I comment? <laughs> um, I literally, I'm having a lot of epiphanies today. Wow. Um, so I just realized because that was significant with like the end credits starting with like, like the quotes by MLK and Malcolm X. I just realized like this whole movie was kind of trying to encompass both of their ideals by having Malcolm X's kind of violence brings results attitude um, into those people, obviously with the with the burning and all that and taking down the pizzeria. And then you kind of see that shift with like Mookie um, just forgiving Sal and showing that like, like peace prevails. Um, so... Yeah, I just I just had that I just had that uh that thought occurred to me because like um because of how Smiley's kind of like like you guys were saying just kind of like um trying to uh reflect those ideas every time he's on screen like he's trying to like um expose um his ideas through through the pictures and all that like that just made me think like it was trying to reinforce um like foreshadow too but also like reinforce how there was there were different ways um, that these people handled the situation. And I think they were trying to show like, like both methods. And and do keep in mind, right. Too, that um, setting Malcolm X and Martin Luther King as these, you know, uh, complete opposites of two sides is, is not really true. Right. And I think that's kind of in there in the sense that, um, Martin Luther King became more radical towards the end of his life, right? And Malcolm X also uh, became, you know, less, not, he was still radical, but um, more open to passive resistance and things like that. Um, uh, so it's just part of the complication of it all, but it's nice to have those two figures, but people forget that sometimes or are unaware of that. Any more students' um, comments? Don't be afraid to speak up on camera if you want. If you don't want to. I have a couple comments. I mean, even beyond just the conflict in the end, I noticed just so many more small points, like the men sitting on on the sidewalk complaining about how the Koreans moved into the neighborhood into a building that hadn't been used for so many years. And the other guy saying, well, 
why don't you get off your butt and, and do something? You know, it's like that they weren't doing anything. They didn't make an effort to do something for the community, yet they're complaining that others are coming into it. Yeah, any comments about that? Any comments about the, the gentleman in their commentary? Mm. No? And uh, I also um, wanted to talk about the conversation that um, Sal had with his older son because um, I think that was really, really... Um, really displayed how he actually felt about the neighborhood and and the people in the neighborhood and in the end um it it's like um racial pride overtook their respect for sal and his restaurant all right, so Dominique, I think we're getting close to the end of our time. This has been a great conversation. Uh, Dominique, did you want to close or or a, a panel? Did you have any last comments? Sure, I, okay. I'll start. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think one thing that we haven't talked about um, because we've been so like deep into the content of this is how amazingly formal the film is yeah. and um so you know like the analysis of the shots even the way that this is written um I, I like that we're talking about how the characters are real there's good and bad about everybody but it's sometimes the characters are not real sometimes they are very um theatrical Sometimes it feels almost Shakespearean. Um, some people don't even have names. Um, you know, like the mayor, he's, mm -hmm. that's his name. That's his character name, you know? Or like uh, sister, mother, I think is her name. Mother, sister. Mother, sister, yeah. She is right um, there. <laughs> so, and then these three men, I mean, that was, I, I, it, it almost like a Greek chorus on it. So I just wanted to like add that, like there's all of this like really dense um, social commentary, but then on top of that, there's like a very academic, very studied level to the film as well. Very true. Okay, I do believe we're out of time. Dominique, did you want to say anything? SMSAB? Actually, Wendy Dominique had to pop off because she had All to go right. to lab. So I'm going to invite Madison uh, as our student activities board member um, that was helping out with the panel. If she would just like to thank everybody uh, for coming on behalf of us. Of course. I just want to say thank you guys all so much for coming. It was a really awesome experience to be able to sit here and conversate with you guys. It was really awesome. The chat 
who was exploding the entire time. And it was amazing. All the thoughts and all the ideas that you guys had was just incredible. And we are all so very touched that you guys could come here and become just more involved and welcoming the ideas that the movie portrayed and being able to just take that in and be willing to have that conversation. And we really appreciate you guys all coming here. So thank you so much. And I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. And I hope you guys' classes go well. Exams are coming up. You guys got this. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. And I will remind everybody there'll be a drawing afterwards by the uh, of the participants' names. And we're giving four grand prizes out, a Spike Lee film, some backpack buttons, a string bag, a gift certificate for Brooklyn Backyard Pizza, and a certificate for Italian Ice. So um, uh, SAB will contact you about that uh, later in the week. Yes, and if we could, please, everyone, let's give a big round of applause to our guest speaker, Ms. Janet Jones, our film scholar that joined us today all the way from Arizona. Let's give her a round of applause. Hey, Janet, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me, and what a lovely um, group. And Wendy, thank you so much for this opportunity, and it was a wonderful, enlightening experience for me. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. And we will certainly, because the chat was so amazing with the comments and the commentary, um, we will save that and uh, we'll send it out for those of you that registered and we have a good email address for you. We will share that chat with you because maybe you can connect with uh, some of your fellow students or some of your fellow staff here if you want to continue the conversation as well. So we'll be sure sure to share that. That's a tongue twister. Uh, And again, uh, keep your eye out. Uh, We will be picking some winners for prizes so you'll be notified if there are prizes for her as well. So again, thank you to everyone. Thank you, Ms. Wendy, for reaching out to us and uh, partnering on this amazing session. Thank you again so much for being here. College of Central Florida offers equal access and opportunity in employment admissions and educational activities. The college will not discriminate on the basis of race, color, ethnicity, religion, gender, pregnancy, age, marital status, national origin, genetic information, sexual orientation, gender identity, veteran status, or disability status in its employment practices or in the admission and treatment of students. Recognizing that sexual harassment constitutes discrimination on the basis of gender and violates this policy statement, the college will not tolerate such conduct. CF Speaks would like to thank the CF Foundation for their generous support. Please subscribe to CF Speaks on your preferred podcast platform to hear all past and future episodes. Thank you for listening.